And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The race is on, and with Mercedes all at sea, criticism from Lewis Hamilton and talk of a change of concept, its hopes of a championship push in 2023 have already taken a big hit. So what's gone wrong? How quickly can things turn around? And is this proof that the most successful team of the 21st century has been knocked off its perch for good? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to answer those questions and more is Mark Hughes. Well, Mark, hello. Good to... Now the dust has settled on Bahrain, I guess take a little bit of a half step back and look at the big picture with one of these big topics. Obviously, Mercedes, huge talking point this season, just as they were last year. Yes, uh, for all the wrong reasons as well. So, yeah, the, the sort of big two stories coming out of the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend were the, 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 the super pace of the Aston Martin and the lack of pace of the Mercedes. And um, yeah, given how much those two cars have got in common, that's uh, quite a lot. Um, that, that's the, There's something clearly very, going very wrong at um, at Mercedes. Yeah, Toto Wolf even said, I think, on Sky Sports F1 in an interview that the direction Aston have taken might help them pinpoint where they need to go with their car. So, yeah, it's it's just typical, isn't it, that you get this Mercedes situation and the whole Aston Martin success almost sticks the boot in, doesn't it, and says, yeah, this is going really badly. But... It does also show that you can take big leaps quite quickly, as Aston Martin did over the winter. So I guess that's the positive side. But obviously, we talked about Mercedes on our post-race podcast, but this is a chance to be a bit more in-depth on it. So should we just start by really quantifying the deficit Mercedes has? Yeah, um, it was 0.632 off in qualifying. Now, a couple of tenths of that you might account for by the fact that they didn't do a a second uh, Q3 run, and uh, both Red Bulls did, and they, there was a couple of tens of gain there. Um, but then you look at the race pace, it was much worse than that. So um, over eight tenths as an average 
um, sort of 50 seconds behind over 57 laps. But and that, that was with a very conservative pace being set by Verstappen at the front. And if you just listen to um, GP, his race engineer, just controlling his pace and how much he was being controlled. I mean, it, it, could, it could have been much, a much bigger gap than it was. So um, it's, it's, it's not um, a, you know, an insignificant um, deficit we're talking about. It's, it's a fundamental lack of pace. And it's an interesting situation because it's almost worse than last year because last year they had this huge problem with the bouncing and the porpoise thing. Talked about that endlessly. That's all gone. So they don't have this one big underlying problem. They have what I'd call a general problem of the car's just not got enough downforce and potentially doesn't have the upside in terms of development to produce the downforce it needs. So it hasn't got the pace, hasn't got the rear stability. It's eating its tyres. Obviously, Bahrain exaggerates that given the nature of the circuit. That's almost a harder problem, isn't it? Because you can't flick a switch and solve a problem. You've got to work your way along that development curve and make sure that you're actually on the right trajectory to start with. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that um, there's some missing there's some, something missing that's not working as in simulation, um, which was the case last year. Um, this is this is about how much performance they've. Um, they, they've found with this concept, and it, it, it is a quicker car than last year. It, it, it is a quicker car than last year. It's um, it qualified seven tenths quicker than last year's car, but that's further away from the pace that last year. Uh, so it's almost as if they have um, satisfied themselves that they've made a, a, a significant jump in pace but only in isolation you can only know in isolation during the off season um and given that the floor reg changes were supposed to add about half a second of of, of lap time and they've actually gone seven tenths quicker there was probably every every reason internally to think well that's a pretty good gain and uh, but then they've underestimated or you know you, you can't really know until you get out there but the the, the other Teams with the existing concepts of being able to find even more than they've found, so it's it's almost like they've um, stumbled into the realization of uh, the the limitations of this concept of car. Yeah, it's all about the development potential in a certain concept where you hit that ceiling, and it does seem their ceiling is a bit lower. And we should stress they did hit all their targets over the winter. So that whole thing of target setting is part of it. Their targets may have been right for this concept of car, but wrong for what is going on elsewhere. And there were already hints of this over the winter because obviously everybody talks in F1 and you get to hear where people are at. So there was a lot of positive buzz about Aston Martin and where their numbers were. And so Mercedes will have heard that and started thinking, well, if they're doing that, that's a bit worrying, isn't it? And they're all a moving target and Red Bull have made a car that's significantly quicker than last year as well. So that moves the goalposts. So yeah, difficult situation for Mercedes to be in. And yeah, very much got the sense that Bahrain was the weekend. They wanted to wait to get to qualifying before they really definitively committed to, yeah, we are in some difficulty here. But Lewis Hamilton's comments inevitably grabbed the headlines as well, didn't they? He said, last year there were things I told them. I said the issues that are with the car. I've driven so many cars in my life. I know what a car needs. I know what a car doesn't need. And I think it's really about accountability. It's about owning up and saying, yeah, you know what? We didn't listen to you. It's not where it needs to be. And we've got to work. We've got to look into the balance through the corners, look at all the weak points and just huddle up as a team. That's what we do. Now, that's been interpreted as a massive 
criticism of the team by Hamilton. Obviously, it's not glowingly positive, but how would you take what Hamilton said? I think you've got to take um, a, cer- a certain amount of it at face value. Um, I think he genuinely does feel that he wasn't listened to enough, but I don't think it's uh, a- an accusation that the, the team will be... Um, you know, thrown back at him. I think the the the, the there'll, there'll be a general acceptance that actually, yeah, he's, he's probably right. But how how much a, a driver can um, influence the technical direction of a of a team is it, it's it's not a, it's not a fundamental thing, but it, it's certainly something that needs to be um, listened to, and it needs to be part of the equation. And Sometimes what the numbers say aren't what the driver don't tally with what the driver is um, trying to tell you, and quite often the, the the driver will be overruled because the simulation says one thing and the engineers are working from numbers. But sometimes the reality is not not quite like that, and he's. Uh, He's maybe not the most technical of drivers, but he, he is very clear in what he needs from a car and what, what what he wants from a car. And he invariably can deliver more if you give him what he's the, the type of car he's asking for, which is always traditionally been a car that um, he can take corner approach very, very aggressively, very late braking, um, sort of geometrical lines, but um, very aggressive input and 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 the, the the rate to keep up with it, and if he doesn't have that, well then then he can only just drive to the 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 the, the way the, the the car can be can be driven to its potential. But he, he, there's nothing extra there for a driver of his caliber to to extract. So um, I think this is it, it. It's probably been easy to. Overlook when the team has been successful. Sometimes Hamilton's comments may not have been exactly what the numbers were saying, but they've given them a quick car regardless. And I remember he, when they had the Diva car of 17, he was saying that he would prefer a different aero balance. And over the next few years, he gradually convinced them to keep moving in, in the direction that he wanted to. And the, from 17, 18, 19, it got it got better each year, twenty, and then of course we had the the regulation trimming of the floor, and that that changed it all again. But it there was if they look back on it and they sort of look to see what the history of this is, they might actually see that there is a correlation between what he's been asking for and what the performance was, because the, the the car did generally get better between 17 and 20 as it moved in the direction that he was asking. So um, there's probably lots of lessons to be learned, but I, I would think um, having, having his input um, placed higher up the order of priorities is probably one of those things. It's always an interesting thing because there's this slightly simplistic debate of is it car versus driver? And it's, of course, both. And Good drivers can extract the most from a from a quicker car that might be a little bit tricky. We see that with Max Verstappen at Red Bull. But the one thing the driver does do is all of the inputs they're feeling pretty much in the car are reflected in some way or the other in terms of the data that the teams are getting. Ultimately, all it is is 
Hamilton's feeding all that data in a, with a different mode of, of input, if you see what I mean, from being sat in the car. But the driver really brings all of that together in a way that's very difficult to do in simulation because it's all going through them. They can feel the interaction, how all these countless data points interact with each other and influence each other, and that's why the driver's important. But I think it's also important to note that I, I think there's a few questions here because it's you can take that to say, well, they just didn't listen to me. I knew what they had to do. They're all idiots. He wasn't really saying that. You can try and interpret it that way if you want. But there's also the question of, did they have the the control and the precision to kind of get that sort of balance that he wants? Obviously, controlling the aero center of pressure, moving it around, all of these things are really, really important as well as peak downforce. And the other question is, did they underestimate how much fine control you can get on of that under these regulations? Because that's an area we see Red Bull excelling. So... It's kind of where the where the gaps in the knowledge are being pointed to, because I'm sure Mercedes, if they could press a button, would give Hamilton the exact stuff he wants. Yes, sometimes you might say, well, the car will be way quicker this way, but I, I don't think it would have been an unwillingness to do that, will it? And Hamilton wasn't sat there with his own design of car. <laughs> Obviously, that's not what he's there to do. Yes, exactly that. Yeah, it's not a clash of wishes. It's 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 more a reflection of how they're each seeing the. The, the picture and there, there, there are some gaps there and um, yeah the, the, these regulations seems to have brought out some gaps in the the, the team's understanding that uh, probably weren't um, significant before. That's a great thing about rule changes you do get these areas where there's little dark spots where they don't know about what something's doing some interaction of something some just little bit of the science nobody's got the complete picture and sometimes when you move around the parameters you can move into kind of this shadowy area where you don't know what's going on and you've got to learn it we should also add as well though that deficit mercedes has got yes compared to its standards over the past decade or so it's much much lower than expected but it's still produced a car that's pretty quick it's the fourth best car currently you would say overall and we'll get to evaluate that a bit better over the coming races so it's not like they've completely forgotten how to build a racing car it's all very very subtle areas about direction and choices they've made and how they're exploiting it that we're talking about here looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hi, producer Johnny here, interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best, and that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable, and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the commuter collection, and I can tell they're going to be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. 
The commuter collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Let's now move on to what Toto Wolf talked about. He talked about this need to change direction, alluded to potential changes of concept, embarking on untreaded paths, a need for a change of perspective technically as well. And he made it emphatically clear that the car they're working with at the moment doesn't have the potential to get Mercedes to where it wants to be, which is, of course, winning races, fighting for titles. How would you define the potential scope of the changes that are needed if that's not a question that if you could give a full answer to you could go to Mercedes and send them a big invoice for solving all their problems yeah I, I think the, there's um, ch- changes in that can be made um, to this car in the season and then there's changes um, longer term now that they're fully informed that this concept is um, seems to have a, a lower ceiling than the alternative one if you can roughly term it, the Red Bull type of concept. So, yeah, I would say that the the, the, the scope for changes to this car are fairly limited. They will be able to, you know, we're talking about an upgrade for Imola and, and you, you, they will be very visual. Sure, and I'm sure that will be um, a, a better car than they've got at the moment. But in terms of... Um, them returning to being able to compete at the front, um, you know, on on all on all circuits, and the, 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 it's just it, it it looks to be too far away. So, if they, as Toto seems to be suggesting, um, have accepted that this is not uh, that they've gone the wrong they've gone the wrong way, um, that implies that it's a clean sheet uh, designed for. For the following year, and um, then again, you you know, everybody else is still making gains in the knowledge of their existing concept, whereas Mercedes will be learning it from you. So it's not not even a given that that is instantly going to be a switch that's going to switch them back on. Um, it, it it could be quite a, a long road um, to, to to get back to where they aim to be. I guess you could almost use Aston Martin as a little bit of a comparison. I'm thinking last season where they weren't quite right with how they started the season. They bought it in Spain, the Red Bull-style side pods, and that turned that car from one that was very much a Q1 exiting car to one that almost nicked six in the championship. It made big improvements over the course of the year, but you're always fundamentally limited by the architecture of the car as you've got it and the budget you've got, et cetera, et cetera. So it's interesting, but they... How big a change is is the the huge thing? Because concept is such a nebulous word, isn't it? It can mean a great deal of things. And the the key to the car car concepts here is how well the underfloor works. So there's bits we can't see of the car that's significant. You can see the floor edges. You can see the side pods. You can see all the other top body stuff. But given the rules are so prescriptive, it's quite a subtle thing, concept, isn't it? It can be quite a small visual change that has quite a big difference so I guess that's where they'll be hoping to work in find something they can do that will just unlock some of that potential and more importantly give them the necessary learning to feed into the 24 car yeah and I mean the when you talk about 
the aero concept of these cars. It's it's absolutely dominated by the performance of the underbody. Um, but the performance of the underbody is in turn um, heavily influenced by the airflow of uh, down the sides of the car on the upper surfaces of the body and then it merges at the back in between the rear wheels where those two airflows come together, the underbody and the overbody. And that, that, that you know, plays a big part in, in the whole underbody downforce. And you know, mechanically, it's it's the same car as the Aston Martin. So you know, there's there's no reason to suppose that there's um, a, a significant mechanical deficit. Which, um, unlike last year when there was, you know, the rear suspension just um, was unsuitable. But f- for now, it's it's clearly in that that you know that that relationship between under underbody and side pod shape and upper body shape in general. And uh, they clearly have got a very different um, concept. And when you when you look at the you know the vertical radiators, the triangular section of the at the, the front, all all these things are very very different to any other car. And as I say, it, it it's sort of worked. They won a race last year. It, um, they've developed it, put decent suspension on it. It's overcome the half a second that the new regulations were supposed to have added it's overcome that and it's found another seven tenths if we take on barring qualifying time so it's not it's not like it hasn't made any progress it's it's just that the others with with the the red bull type of concept certainly red bull and aston martin have made more gains have made you know so um and as ferrari was already you know, there or thereabouts, it means that they've 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 bumped down to fourth place, not further away from the front than than they were. Well, Mercedes does have an upgrade planned for Imola. Visually obvious, it will be. Technical director Mike Elliott said it will be a different side pod. He's talked about the need to change things under the body for that to fit, and he's also said it won't be the same as other people's, and it won't be the same as what we've got. Is there any reason to believe this race six upgrade could be transformative? Do you think? I would be very surprised because you know you're starting you're starting from scratch. If you if you wanted to do it the in in the way that um, Red Bull and Aston have, and I, I would be surprised if that was even feasible to do a you know a, a, a car of that concept from the the, the basis that they've got with the with the monocoque that they've got and the cooling arrangement that they've got. Um, whether they have got a good enough understanding to have understood that some of the deficit is coming from a specific part of this existing broad concept, and with a, just a little tweak, there's there's some more time to be found. I think it's probably going to be more like that. I I, I can't I can't believe it will be transformative. No. Yeah, you can see it being worth a few tenths. But even if Red Bull stands still, that's not going to be enough to change things. I guess the really interesting thing will be if it is edging in a new direction. At least it's a start in terms of building that, or whether it's just a step they've had planned for a while down the same cul-de-sac, and that just helps them to mitigate the, the damage while they uh, fundamentally change things. That would be the the interesting question uh, for that one. But certainly from what Toto Wolff said, because I did ask him, if what he said about this package not having the potential to to be properly competitive by their standards eventually applied to just the car that's running right now or the one that's 
in the wind tunnel and he indicates it's the whole development. So that suggests to me that there isn't confidence this will be a massive, massive change. But yeah, a step in the right direction will probably be the best case scenario that allows them to learn a few things that they can feed in down the line. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Let's look a little bit at the bigger picture now with Mercedes because I expected Mercedes to start this season stronger, having learned everything they did last year with that troublesome car. But the one big caveat I attached to that was while they did get a formidable understanding of last year's car, that was also the consequence of having endless on-track data to correlate with. And they used that to update the various design and simulation tools that sent them in the wrong direction in the first place. So the big question is whether it built its predictive power properly as that's what drove the 2023 design. So has, by definition, this process fallen short, or do you think we can tick that box as a success because they've not had the bouncing and porpoising, and that's what everything was really focused on solving? I hope it looks as though it's um, the, the, the detail of its simulation has is, is been okay. It's just the uh, the scope um, of of what is needed is maybe um, been a little bit too narrow in that they've stuck with a, you know, the, not stubbornly, but they, they, they've they stuck with an, an idea that they believed had potential and they saw no reason to stop believing in that potential given that um, they'd, they'd found ways of finding a lot of lap time from it over the winter. But... Um, the, the the scope of it, the, the the bit where you look to say, okay, how does this compare to the the the, you know, the, the, the potential of the alternative, and and what what um, parallel programs have we got and research looking at that? Maybe maybe that's where it's sort of you know fallen short, and it's it's unfortunately taken taken up two seasons already. Um, and I, you know, you, you, as the others are continuing with what's essentially the the same concept of their cars, they're they're they're, they're just learning more and more. Whereas you, what you would be concerned about for Mercedes is that, yeah, okay, they've recognised that uh, they need to to start from square one, but um, they, they they are coming coming in at the ground floor. The one thing I would add to that, though, is that we know that they've run some of these different geometries, like Red Bull-style cars, in both in CFD and the wind tunnel, and they haven't found 
any particular performance advantage. And that presumably also applies to seeing the upside beyond that, because it's always about, I uh, always like quoting James Allison's word for this, all the goodness you can get down the line. So that does make me wonder if there's something they're not seeing, because they're they're saying, well, we see why this Red Bull approach works fine, but it doesn't look any better than what we've got. So are they? it becomes a question of, are they misreading that? Are they not able to anticipate that future upside? There's some little thing there that's not told them, actually, you need to be on this pathway if you're going to exploit that potential. And it it's become very apparent as others have, like the Red Bull concept, there's about seven cars on the grid that have to a greater or lesser extent gone in that direction. Really, Mercedes is on its own, and then you've got sort of Ferrari and Haas, probably for obvious reasons, have uh, similarities. But it does again point to just some gap there. Just and, and that for me is the most important thing. They need to work out exactly what it is that's set them on this path in order to solve it, because otherwise you're risking, say, changing direction or or doing things a different way based on the same limitation that sent you wrong in the first place. Yeah, yeah, it's quite quite true. I mean, it's, I think it's quite clear that the the Red Bull concept, for want of a better term, can give you a nice, clean, hygienic car without any serious fundamental problems. And then, and then it's all about the nuances of you know underbody performance after that, and that's where the real performance lies. But the, the, that 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 type of car gives you a, 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 what looks to be a very good platform whereas it looks like the mercedes one it has it's more difficult to get it working in the first place and then it looks as though it has a low development ceiling as well uh so yeah it, it's i think it it it, it really has it's probably it, it it's probably caused a lot of soul searching and it's probably hurt the confidence and shaken them a bit. Um, but there's still good people there, so and it's still got fantastic facilities. So in the, in theory, it, it it should be recoverable, but it, it the, the the cycles are very long, as we know in, in Formula One. And so yeah, I'd say it, it's. The the tools that they they have the tools at hand um, to 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 fix this, but um, when is the question? Yeah, this is still the same team that had a huge amount of success, and not for no reason. They didn't luck into it, so it seems to be just a small adjustment. But it's it's always so difficult. If you go back forty years in Formula One, the cars were quite simple in terms of how they were designed. So if there were problems, they were they were more easy to articulate, if you see what I mean, and understand and say, right, well, this idea was good on paper, but it didn't work because of this. But now you've got these teams that are so huge, they're pushing everything so hard in terms of how aggressive they're trying to be with downforce generation, etc. It can be really, really small details that can cause the problems. So you've got this massive edifice huge organisation you've got to kind of work out exactly where the mistake is while also not making another mistake by say discarding something that actually could work well but you might be missing some detail of it so really really careful it's tempting to just make changes isn't it because then you say well look we've done a car that looks very very different so you're showing you're doing something but you've got to know what you're doing and why you're doing it most importantly and I guess in the, the most sort of zoomed out perspective 
obviously we we talk about Mercedes as a great team and quite rightly, but there have been a lot of changes in recent years, haven't there? Cost caps meant restructuring as well as lower budget. Andy Cowell left high performance powertrains. James Allison moved off full time F1, although within that he still has a role supporting Mike Elliott with F1 stuff so he can still feed into it although I think the suggestions that he's been parachuted in to take over everything to fix this uh, are wider the mark Eric Blondin who was the Mercedes Arrowhead he's gone to Aston Martin so how big a factor do you think this kind of brain drain and the recent changes might have been in the current struggles or is it just correlation doesn't equal causation I'd be tempted to think it's it's the latter that it, it it's not um, necessarily causation um it you would think that a team of this size um, would have a structure in place that any one individual you could take out and you, you wouldn't really notice the effect on the whole organization. But, I mean, these were fairly remarkable engineers, Andy Cowell, James Allison, which you're talking about. So you, you never really know until you give the, the next guy, you know, who assumes that role their, their chance. And... They they may be getting their chance at a at a time that's the 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 rest of the um, equation isn't isn't there for them to to be able to deliver in the same way. It, not necessarily that they may, they're, they're not as good. So it, it's one of those things that you you can only really tell after a, a few years, and you can actually start to put together how it really what 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 were the significant changes and what were the insignificant ones. Um, I'd be I'd be surprised if it was as simple as some key people have have, have left, um, because it's uh, there's so much strength and depth in any top F1 team that that really shouldn't be a, a it really shouldn't impact significantly on on the performance of the team. It comes back to how big the teams are. And obviously, there's been a lot of focus on Mike Elliott, who took over as technical director in the middle of 2021. Now. Sometimes you get this almost football manager style thing. Oh, it's not quite going right. Therefore, oh, the car's not right technically. The technical director must be an idiot. But obviously, he isn't. He's been there since the middle of 2012. He's been an integral technical leader throughout all of the success. So it's somewhat absurd just to think that suddenly there's something fundamentally wrong with him being in that position, even though obviously under his technical directorship, it hasn't gone quite as well as hoped. So I guess that again points to how the team needs to address things and approach things. We talk about the the no blame culture, and obviously Hamilton used the word accountability, and Toto Wolff says blame the problem, and that's the thing that's often misunderstood about the the blame culture. Because if you have a full on blame culture, you just say this isn't working. Let's sack a few people and change them, and hope that fixes it. And that almost never fixes it because it's never that simple. Particularly now, teams are, are that big, but you have to be able to isolate the problem. And let's say if Mike Elliott's back to technical direction, he's absolutely certain was going to pay off and it hasn't, then you need to be able to be confident that he can say, yeah, actually, okay, we accept this, we change direction. And then you don't get the politics, et cetera. And I think that is a strength of Mercedes that will stand it in good stead during this period of uh, of introspection, shall we say, particularly given how strong the team has been on the need to make changes. As Toto Wolff on Saturday night, his whole messaging changed completely. It went from, yeah, we're going to be good with this car eventually to, no, this car's not right. We've got to make changes. Yeah, and, um, you know, that that's good to hear that, that Toto is publicly recognising that. And you just know that things will start to happen. And But, yeah, it's... It's 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 where they're starting from that is the the concern, 
Um, but yeah, I, I've no doubt that they will they will get there eventually. It's just, but as as we said before, it's uh, what what are the timescales and um, what are the developments will be made elsewhere during that time and how much potential is there still in the other concepts and yeah, all all these things. So it's its destiny is not quite in its own hands, but a big part of it is. And um, I, I think all the right moves will be will be happening. Well, eventually can be quite a long time in Formula One, given how long it takes to turn things around. But it'll be frustrating for them, because if you look at the situation, obviously you've got Red Bull, they've got that extra ATR limitation because of the cost cap infringement from 2021. So they want to kind of minimise the effort they put into this car on an ongoing basis. So Mercedes has made that easier by not being at the races early on. So it's going to be down to Ferrari to push Red Bull. We think maybe Ferrari can be a bit more of a threat than they were in Bahrain, but they're still looking like they're half a step behind. So we are talking about longer term time schedules. Really, it's not impossible. I just can't see Mercedes getting into the title fight this year. I know it's only one race, but it's going to be very, very hard to see. Unless they've got something up their sleeve and this Imola upgrade is that change in direction because obviously they've known about the need to look at these things for a while and they're just kind of going hard with the messaging now so they can say, oh, look, we've solved it in Imola, but I don't think it's going to go that way. So this is really, we're in 2024, 2025 critical territory now, aren't we? Yeah, I would say being conservative, yes, I would say that's about what we're going to be Looking at realistically, yeah. Um, whether how that fits in with um, Lewis Hamilton's career plans is quite an interesting one. There's obviously quite a bit of speculation about that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's a completely separate question. Yeah, well, that's obviously a very, very popular talking point, but we'll see how that plays out. We don't really have much indication of how that might change things. Certainly, we were expecting Hamilton to sign up to a new deal. He obviously craves that eighth world championship, so that'll be an interesting plot line to monitor. Well, thanks very much, Mark Hughes, for your insights. Head to the race.com and don't forget the hyphen. Plenty to read there, not just on Mercedes, but the other nine teams on the grid. Check out our other podcasts, including Bring Back V10s, our IndyCar podcast, MotoGP, and also have a look at our YouTube channel. Well, we've got the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix coming up next, so stay with us for everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. The Athletic.